Big Blue Nation, this is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I am your host, Matt Sack, and as always, I am joined once again by my co-host, Scott Clark. Scott, how are you doing on, uh, once again, a very rainy day here in Lexington, Kentucky? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the rain. Uh, I'm a type of guy that likes the rain, just chill inside and everything, but yeah, I'm good. Um, transfer portal is heating up and we're getting some good news towards Kentucky's way. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah, it's been a minute since we recorded something. Jordan and I, um, we, we got out some football stuff yesterday about the spring practices and the spring game. Go check that out if you're interested in football. But we're here today talking about basketball, which we haven't done in a fat minute since then. The final four or national championship came to an end. Um, one of my biggest takeaways with that game, I mean, I always like when trying to form a roster and throughout the season, I always said guards win national championships. Like you need to have elite guard play. Like they were running tournament. Um, and I always thought there was a formula. It's like, all right, you need a shot creator. You need a elite wing defender, you know, like you, you need a guy you could throw it in the post more and more. It's seeming like, especially this year through the final four run, I don't really feel like there's a formula anymore. I feel like there's different ways you can go about winning a national championship. I mean, we saw, I mean, neither team really had like an elite point guard, you know, like Remy Martin's not like an elite playmaker. He, he got a few buckets, but I mean, they were mostly led by Braun and Oach who are wings and David McCormick, who is a center. I mean, you look at North Carolina, they were led by Baycott and Manic were both big men. Um, and you have Duke who was led by Bancaro, and so I, I feel like there's multiple different ways that you can get to a final four to a national championship. Do you, do you agree with that analysis? No. Yeah. I mean, college basketball is evolving, you know, every so other years. And sometimes, you know, back in the day used to be you want dominant big men. Um, but I think more, it's become more guard heavy. Uh, but now it's, I mean, we saw two point guards who aren't really like Dewan Harris isn't elite at all. Remy Martin, um, he's not elite by any stretch of the imagination. He'll get you a bucket, like you said. Um, you look at UNC guys like, you know, Caleb Love can win you a game or he can shoot you out of a game, which we saw. I mean, he shot five for 24, which is mind boggling. But like the, the thing with college basketball, like I said, everything changes. The, the formula to win changes, whether it's you got youth on your roster, now it's you know, you have talented transfers and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, who knows? In three years, it could be something different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just – so when going through, like, roster construction, I mean, what we did our um, – we did our, what was it, off-season plan, and it was just really built around me trying to find multiple wings that can score um, – and just get buckets. But I feel like you, you don't necessarily need that. There's multiple paths to a national championship. I mean, we just saw a few years ago, Virginia made a run. I mean, Virginia is historically known for just being a defensive team with limited offensive capabilities. Um, I mean, they did have, what was his name? I, that went to, I think it was drafted by the Hawks. Uh, 
DeAndre Hunter. That's it. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. I, my basketball knowledge is lacking right now. I'm kind of a little bit rusty. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's multiple ways to get a national championship. And I thought the biggest thing, honestly, was luck. I mean, we've all seen the graphic now based on, like, the shot selection and everything like that. Kentucky would have won 98% of the time, you know, like – Kansas almost didn't get out of the second round versus Creighton. Like they had to make a couple shots in the final four minutes and they wouldn't have been the national champion. Think about how many big shots North Carolina had to make along the way. Like they almost lost in the second round as well to Baylor. Like Baylor could have very easily won that. Like the whole final four could have got flipped around because of a couple first weekend games. But it, it, it's just at the end of the day, it's luck. Um, you're completely correct because with with the tournament, I mean, that there's a reason why you only see, like, Villanova won it twice since 2009, and I think UNC did the same. They won it twice since 2009. Like, it's not like college football where, you know, it's the same four teams that are always duking it out. In college basketball, you got a whole bunch of different teams winning it because there's so many factors that go into the tournament. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's making shots? Who's not? Like like you said with the shot quality graphic, um, you know, that graphic that we all know and love so well. Like, we, we took the right shots. Um, you know, St. Peter's just hit tough shots. If you go and rewatch the game, I mean, Daryl Banks was hitting step-back threes. That Murray kid was step-back threes. You know, Dog Eater, I mean, we all love him. Uh, Shout-out to the Bryant Bulldogs because um, that's where he's at now. But, I mean, he was making shots, and he's not like a guy that's going to go out and give you 25 or whatever he put on us. Like, it's things like that, like, Anything could happen, and that's what makes the tournament so great, but it also makes it suck because rarely do you see who's, like, the best team in the country at the end of it, but that's why we love it. So you're completely correct with that. I mean, it's just you have to be lucky in order to win the tournament. Yeah, completely. But um, like, like the, catchiest, the catchiest intro and the podcast game goes, in with the new, out with the old, um, we had a few really big decisions come up. I mean, just running through them one-on-one. -on -one. I think we already talked about Damian Collins returning. I think we already talked about Dante Allen leaving. Ty Ty Washington, no surprise. He is going to the NBA draft. I don't know if he officially signed with an agent, but obviously he's going to stay there. There's a lot of speculation going on about Ty Ty can return. Like his dad tweeted out year one. Don't, don't believe that. I mean, he was always going pro. He's Pre-injury, he was a top five pick. Post-injury, he, he's still a borderline lottery pick. He, he wasn't going to go anywhere. I, I'm really happy for Ty Ty's time at Kentucky. Um, He was a great player. I mean, you can't do anything about injuries, but I mean, um, I mean I'd mean, i take him back in Lexington any year. I'd have a guard of his caliber any year that we can get him. Yeah, for sure. And I've kind of what I've been doing lately with when I try to – reminisce about a player I think of like one game and with Ty Ty I think of the Tennessee game um obviously the first Tennessee game and not the one where he got injured and the one where we got our shit kicked in um in the tournament but I think about how explosive he looked um how calm he looked out there all the shots that he was making I mean he made Kennedy Chandler his son which was awesome to see um and then I also think about the St. Peter's game and those couple games leading up to it and how off rhythm he looked and how bad I felt for him because it's like you knew that he wasn't healthy at all, but he was putting his heart out on the line. And I never want to see another Kentucky fan say that, oh, these kids don't care about, they just want to go to the NBA. Like, Ty Ty didn't have to play. Like, he was not healthy at all. He wanted to be out there. He wanted to represent Kentucky. Um, so even though, like, 
when I think about Ty Ty, sometimes I think of how, you know, he scored five points against St. Peter's. I think about what he was doing to get here, what he was going through mentally with his mother. Um, you know, he's, he's, I think his career is very comparable to a guy like Maxi, where I don't think we appreciate Tyrese's time here at UK enough. Like we talk about him in a nice manner, but like Ty, Tyrese was really good. And Ty Ty was really good, and he's going to have a good, successful NBA career. And he's an awesome kid off the floor. And uh, on the floor, he was a straight baller. So much respect to him. Yep, absolutely. Personally, my one standout game will always be the one game he started at point guard, and then he sets the record for an assist. I mean, it took him one game. And, of course, it was, it was not like some, like, random school. I think John Wall originally set the record with 16 assists against some random mid-major. Um, I could be wrong there, but I mean, I know George is not very good, but it's still, those are like legit power five athletes. And it took one game for Tyson Washington to put up 17 assists and set the school record. That's going to be obviously his lasting legacy at Kentucky, because I don't think that record's going to get beat for a very long time. Um, I mean, we saw it took 11, 12 years for it to get, for John Wall's record to get broken. So it's going to be a fat minute there. Um, so we talked about, obviously, um, Kellen Grady, Mintz, they can't return. Um, we talked about Allen. We talked about Damian Collins. We just touched on Ty Ty Washington. I believe the next one was Keon Brooks. If you listen to this podcast, I mean, we, we've talked about it on here. At least I have not been expecting him to come back. Um, it seems like a lot of people were surprised that he got put in the draft. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we don't expect him to go first round. Um, he might not even go second round. I don't know if I would expect him to. But we've talked about it on this podcast why would you come back for another year of college if you can't improve your stock? Or at least why would you come back to Kentucky if, if you've kind of maxed out at Kentucky? I feel like what Keon Brooks can accomplish at Kentucky, we, we've seen him. Best case scenario, he is the fifth best player on a floor with three other elite guards and an elite center, and he's just the fifth option. And he's really good in that role. We've really appreciated him with that. But we have a guy in the name of Chris Livingston, who's a top 10, top 15 prospect coming in. We have a guy with Jacob Toppin, who probably has twice the potential that Keon Brooks has. Even though I think Keon Brooks might be a better player at the moment, Jacob Toppin has more potential. You have a guy with Damian Collins, is, who is just about as potential as anyone. And of course, you have the transfer portal, where you can probably find someone better than any four that we currently have on our roster. So... With the starting spot guaranteed for Keon Brooks, I see why he came back for his junior year, but it just does not make sense for him to come back to Kentucky another year. Um, if he does come back, he, he left his eligibility open. If he does come back from the draft, I fully expect him to probably transfer. I know there were Indiana rumors last offseason, but honestly, I expect him to stay in the draft, explore pro options, whether it's NBA, G League, overseas, whatever it is. I just think he's ready for that next step in his career. Yeah, uh, I, I do too. And I think unless like Keon adds a reliable three-point shot, like I don't, I, I agree that his time probably at Kentucky has maxed out, but I don't ever want to like put a cap on it. But I think in all honesty, I think his best move would to be go to go to professional basketball, whether it be like in the G League or the NBA, because you look at the lineups that a lot of teams run like this time of the year. I mean, we just saw in that Blazers-Thunder game, like, for those that pay attention to the NBA, like, you know, we had – like, whoever thought Olivier Saar would be getting, like, consistent minutes in an NBA? Like, and I think Keon Brooks is a lot better than than Olivier Saar and could 
translate to the NBA pretty well. The NBA is a whole different ball game than college. And I think people don't really understand that what spacing can do for a guy like Keon. And he's, I think Keon has the tools to become a decent three point shooter. Um, if you could shoot well from the midway, mid range and three point or free throw line, I mean, you could shoot probably pretty well from the three point line. So I, I don't think that his, his talent is capped out. I just think that his best option is probably to go pro. And I think he could stick on a roster, whether it be a two-way player and work his way up. I think that he's got the, the grittiness, the rebounding to him, the athleticism. He's just, if he adds that three-point shot, I think he'd be a decent NBA player with a pretty long career. Yeah, so the, the last decision that I believe has been made um, obviously there's shade and Oscar rumors all the time, but nothing, no decision has officially been made there. The last decision that has been made by the time this podcast has been recorded was Bryce Hopkins going to transfer. And I'm not one to, um, complain about Cal rotations. You know, like if he wants to cut it down to six or seven by the end of the year, cause six or seven people are playing the best. I'm, I'm usually fine with that. This year was one of the instances where I'm like, all right, come on, let's give Bryce some more minutes. Like, I think he can help. We're super shallow in the backcourt. Um, I know he's not a true guard, but he can play some three. I would have liked to see what he could do at the four. I think he has more potential than anyone on our roster at the four um, from an offensive aspect, maybe not on the other side of the ball um, or even like rebound and stuff like that. But I think he had more offensive potential. And we saw that in the LSU game, um, even the Ohio game. But Cal didn't play him. But at the same time, good Lord, guys, like I've never seen this fan base or any fan base freak out about a guy who averaged maybe three minutes a game and one point a game for leaving. Like, I, I'm mad he left, too. I'd love to have him back. But I mean, we have other guys returning that are better and already have more minutes and more experience. Than him. We have a transfer portal. We have two top 10 freshmen coming in and potentially the number one freshman in the class if Shane Sharp decides to return. Maybe the national player of the year returns. And we're talking about the ninth, 10th, 11th guy on our bench. Like, what are we doing? You know, I'm not going to talk about our fans because Matt Jones said that we shouldn't do that. So because our Lord and Savior Matt, no, I'm kidding. I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I, it's ridiculous. Like, it's acting like we just lost, like, you know, John Wall. Like, Bryce Hopkins is a fine basketball player. I thought, and I said this coming into the year, I like Bryce because he's a Chicago kid, but I thought it was weird that we recruited him because I don't think that his body, his he doesn't really fit the mold of, a, he's slow. I fit, like, I felt like he was more of a fit for the Big Ten. And I think that's where he'll end up, some school up north, like, where it's more slow. Um, it's more It's more of a skill set. And, the thing with Bryce, and I, I would have liked to see him get a little, a couple more minutes, but he made it very hard for Cal to play him at time. After the LSU game, he goes into Arkansas and he goes 0 for 3. And you're like, all right, he missed his first three shots. Like, and they were pretty quick succession. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, you can't play someone off the bench who's, you need something from him and he's not giving you anything. Didn't record any stat besides three missed shots. Goes to Florida. Same thing, 0 for 3 doesn't record a stat um no rebounds no assists no blocks no steals just missed shots like I get it but at the same time when you're that late into the year like you need to get like the LSU game was great and I saw a lot from him but like you have to do that somewhat consistently I remember saying after that game if he gave us like half of that I'm happy and he didn't give us any of that 
Um, I remember the Florida game, like he immediately checked in, took a shitty layup that got, I think like it was, I think Castleton like packed his shit like super hard. And I was like, and everyone, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, why did you even go up? With it? There's no way you're, that A, shot is going over the defender and B, has a chance of going in. But I think like people are just, they're ragging on Cal because like people are transferring out. And a couple of years ago, that never really, like, it was like Charles Matthews. Um, Jamarl Baker. Jamarl Baker. Marcus Lee. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a lot of people. And now, like, guys, look around the whole damn country. Everyone is transferring. It's and that's a good thing. Like if people, people need to do what's best for them. Like obviously the grass is not always greener. Um, we know that, but it's a good thing um, for for those players. I mean, for I would have loved to see Bryce develop. I just don't think that at a place like Kentucky, three to four year players who come into the year as a top thirty recruit, that's not really a thing. Um, and I would like to see Cal just stick to top 20 guys and transfers. There's no reason to branch out any farther than that unless he's like – he knows that – like a Lance where, where he knows that he's a developmental project. Like, And I, I read something from – I don't know if – I think it was from Sisk or Graf on House of Blue where they said that Bryce – it was Graf. Um, you know, Bryce needs a more of a coddling coach to thrive. Why do you even come to Kentucky? You know how John Calipari is. Like, with all due respect, what did you expect? You think you're just going to be like, all right, Bryce, like, I'm going to be, you know, up everyone's ass to get them better besides you. It, and I hope he does find a coach that fits his, his playing style. And I don't want to sound like a boomer and be like, oh, well, you know, Kentucky isn't for everyone. And then, But, like, at the same time, if that's how you receive criticism and that's how you are wired, which is okay. When I played sports, I liked the coach that was, you know, more easygoing where, my, you know, my butthole wasn't clenched all the time. Um, but I did have coaches that were on my ass all the time, but I know that they cared about me, but some people are just wired that way. Um, and I just don't understand, like, if you're wired that way and you know that, and your parents know that your camp knows that why come to a school or a program where, you know, the coach is going to be on you to get better every day. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. And I didn't actually hear that news, but it's not honestly too surprising. I mean, kind of reading his body language, I mean, being on the bench and stuff, but like one of the things that I was thinking about. So, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to Sources Say with Jack Pilgrim and Sean Smith, if you were, I don't know if this was on House of Blue, it might have been on House of Blue. If you were just being like active on Twitter, it should not be surprising starting from the month of January that Bryce Hopkins was probably considering transferring. So if we could kind of see that, I mean, me, neither me and you are super plugged in if we could start to figure out that Bryce Hopkins is probably going to transfer at the end of the year, don't you think Cal can figure it out? So now if you're John Calipari, are you going to put all of your minutes at like the three and four position and guys like Jacob Toppin or I don't, I don't know, like a Damian Collins or a Lance Ware? Like, is that who you're going to give your front court minutes to? Or are you going to give it to the guy you know that's going to leave no matter what? So that's why I think we tried Damian Collins more down the stretch. That's why I think we tried Jacob Toppin more down the stretch. Because um, you, you want to develop the guys that are going to come back. Obviously, you're going to play your starters and your best players, but you're not going to go out of the way to give 20 minutes a game to a guy that 
you know is going to be gone. So there's really no point in developing. So that that's my that's my last point on that. But I mean, I, I again, like anyone that comes to Lexington, Bryce, I'm appreciative of your time. I mean, you left a couple great memories here. The Ohio game when Oscar Sheboy got two quick fouls and you came in and had like seven and seven in the first half, I think, and then um, were a huge instrumental piece in this beating LSU shorthanded. That was super fun just watching that from the eruption zone. So again, appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing what what you do next in the college level because I think you could be a really good player in the right fit. Um, I do have one thing to say. Ryan Howard was just picked number one overall um, in the WNBA draft. So congrats to the queen herself. Ryan, we love you. This is a pro Ryan Howard podcast. Um, you're going to kill it in the WNBA. So shout out to the Lady Cats. Super, super proud of her. I know that the season probably didn't go as she wanted to. I'm glad she got the SEC tournament run in her. She absolutely deserved that. Um, so super proud of her. Super thankful for her four years in Lexington. And good luck moving on to the WNBA, of course. I'm glad you brought that up. I had it open in a separate tab. I was waiting for the pick to be put in. But congrats to Ryan Howard. But um, moving on, when we talk about like our own roster and turnover, obviously it's going to be a lot of bad, especially at Kentucky. In a given year, there are going to be more people that leave, whether it be the draft, graduation, um, transferring, then there are going to be returning. So, I mean, so far we have Damian Collins returning. Um, I think we could pretty safely assume guys like CJ Frederick and Jacob Toppin are going to be returning. But then there's a lot of question marks. So, obviously... That's when we look into the transfer portal, especially when we have two freshmen coming in. So right now, we're going to talk about some of our potential top options that we want to see in Lexington next year. Um, some of these are going to be serious UK buzz for Scott. I know you have one guy that you are super pissed off at John Calipari about. We'll start off there. Um, Kentucky has not reached out to Nigel Pack, guard transfer from Kansas State. Um, and that's kind of telling, but I'll get into that later. Um, obviously, I know you're pissed, but go into why you feel so pissed about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not pissed. I'm just annoyed because Nigel Pack, Kansas State wasn't terrible this year. He's about six. I think he's six feet. Um, so keep in mind, he's like the same size as like a Kennedy Chandler. And he averaged around 17 and a half points per game in probably the toughest conference in the country. Uh, you know, I got my friends at Kansas that I, you know, reference a lot because they're the only one of my friends that really keep up with college basketball. And they're like, shit, I want him to come to Kansas. And, you know, Kansas and K-State, they have a big rivalry. Nigel Pack shoots, like, I think like 42% from three. I've seen so many people complain about, oh, we need a bucket getter. We need a guy that created his own shot. Nigel Pack is him. And I was talking about how we could have Severe and Nigel play the one and the two and then have like Kaysen play the three. And it may not be like the most orthodox thing, but if you look at this Tennessee team, you know, this previous year, I know they lost to Michigan. It's a tournament. Shit happens. We can all say that that Tennessee team was really good. They were. They beat Arizona. They beat us twice. Um, beat Auburn. Like they have good win. They have really good wins. They're a good team. Um, if you look at their – their lineup, their guards, it's uh, Sakai Ziegler, who's 5'9", so roughly the same height as Wheeler. Um, Nigel Pack, or no, Kennedy Chandler, sorry, who's six feet, which would be Nigel Pack for us. And then Vescovy, who's like 6'3", 6'4". And if you think about it, that would be Kaysen Wallace in, in that spot, who's roughly the same height and even a better defender than Vescovy. And I think that 
it could work. It might take some fine tuning. Uh, it, it's a project and it probably won't happen. Well, obviously it won't happen, but it would be a nice dream to have because I think Pack is a really, really good score. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you, you kind of broke down, I mean, the height there um, with, with Tennessee, how it could work. I mean, a lot of people, when you think about lack of height, you think defensively, you know, like who, who can match up with, but Tennessee was a top, what, two, three defense in the country. Yeah, they're insane. They were insane. So it's a lot about the defenders, but obviously I don't think Pack is the defender of anyone on Tennessee. That is a bad defender, but he's not on that level. Um, I don't know if Wheeler necessarily is either. Obviously, Cason Wallace is. Um, my only concern with that lack of height is I just, again, I, we talked about there being multiple routes to a national championship and there's different formulas to get there. Personally, I'd rather have someone with a little bit of size that can get themselves a bucket. Um, we, we, like, we saw usually was with Ty Ty Washington, who wasn't like the most freaky athletic guy in the world, but he could get to his spots, pull up mid-range, and be a 6'4 guard that could rise over the top. We saw when Kellen Grady, um, who's 6'5", 6'6", when he wasn't hesitant to pull a three, it didn't matter how closely he was guarded because he could rise over and shoot over the top. With that roster that you listed, Nigel Pack would be our bucket getter. I, I just worry about... What if someone puts a taller defender? What if another team has a case in Wallace where he has three to four inches on him and is just as athletic and he can't create a shot? Who can we throw the ball to on the wing that could rise up and get a bucket? Um, with, with Sabir Wheeler already being 5'9", I kind of worry about that. If case and Wallace were our point guard and we have um, Nigel Pack at the two and then you, you put a guy like Adam Miller who's 6'4", or a Terrence Shannon, who's six seven, out on the wing, a couple other big names in the portal, or an Antonio Reeves, who's six foot five. Then I might be on board. I know we're going to talk about all three of those guys moving forward. Um, but if Wheeler is back, I'm a little bit concerned about that lack of height in the backcourt. Um, and the the reason that I think we didn't reach out to him is because I think Wheeler might be coming back. That's why that's telling me. Or else there's even if Nigel Pack, we don't think he's a great fit or anything is over eight, there's no reason we wouldn't at least reach out to him unless we were just completely worried about that height. So um, that was a little telling to me. But another name I just brought up, Antonio Reeves, um, 6'5", I would say like combo guard, maybe more of a shooting guard, but I think he can handle the ball fine off the bench um, or in a secondary ball handler role. Um, elite shooter, three-level scorer, not a bad defender as well, coming from Illinois State. What are your opinions on Antonio Reeves? Get him to Kentucky right now. Right now. If you haven't watched his tape, go watch it. He's electric. He reminds me of JT Note, who we saw cook up. A, he cooked us up for like 30-something points. He's a perf like genuine bucket getter. He has a really smooth handle. He could break down defenders really well. He's lengthy. He shoots the ball at a high percentage. He has a good-looking stroke. Um, I could see him being a lot better than, you know, Callan Grady was. And they both – their backgrounds, their high-level scores, and, that you know, teams would go to them to get their uh, – to get them buckets. Um, and Antonio Reeves is also a Chicago kid, so that's good. Shout out, Simeon. Anyways, he's he's really, really good. He He's an all-right defender, but I think that he can – produce like 15 to 18 points a game for Kentucky if we needed him to like that's how good he is at beating his man off the dribble he can catch and shoot he can do everything that you really need from from a from a score so I think I think 
he needs to be a cat. If he's not, like, I will genuinely be disappointed. But I highly – like, of all the transfers that are in the portal, his tape is easily the most – it's it's something that you can buy into. There's some guys where you look at and you're like, ah, oh, well, you know. I don't know if that part of his game will translate. But everything about Antonio Reeves' game through his highlights and through his film translates to Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I agree. With, I mean, the transfer portal at this point in the season is used to fill holes. Where do you have needs? You know, I mean, we can assume that, um, I mean, we talked about CJ Frederick, Damian Collins, Jacob Toppin, they're all back. We know Cason Wallace, Chris Livingston are coming in. We could assume maybe a Lance Ware is coming back. Um, maybe if Oscar comes back, Salvador Wheeler comes back. Um, Shane and Sharp comes back. You don't have a lot of holes. Those guys that is listed, that's nine different players. The one gap that I think we still have, even if everyone returns, is a guard coming off the bench of that Davion Mintz role. So that's why I think no matter what happens, Antonio Reeves has a spot on this roster is a guy that could come off the bench and get buckets. You know, maybe if Shane Sharp leaves, um, then we need to find a wing scorer. Maybe that's Reeves. Maybe we want to find someone that's played at power five ball. Um, if Oscar leaves, obviously we need a center. If Xavier Wheeler leaves, obviously we need a point guard. No matter what happens, Antonio Reeves has a spot on this roster. And I think that's a guy that we could reach out and get right now. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be a better option as like a sixth, seventh man off the bench who could potentially even start at times, kind of be like a Kellen Grady type player. I'm all on board on Antonio Reeves. Yeah, I think um, – I know you – if if he comes off the bench for us, like that guy in front of him better be really good, or like he better be like a, a tree Eason role. Like, but if if even if he comes off the bench and like plays bench minutes, like that shows how good our roster that. And I know we'll probably get into it, but fuck it, I'll I'll get into it now. I mean, we saw the Andrew Slater tweet. We've seen a lot of news regarding Oscar coming back. If that remains true. It's time to start building now. I don't care who's leaving, who's staying. It's time to build now. If that means we got to force guys like Keon to go, um, guys like Lance where to go, guys like, um, you know, some just some other guys. Like, if it requires that, then fuck it. We'd like do it because you got the main guy that you want back. Get Severe back, obviously. Get those two back and start building immediately. Um, because I think. I know Oscar's not a transfer. I know Oscar's not a freshman coming or coming incoming freshman, but he's the most important player that's currently not on like a team. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. would be the biggest get of this offseason. So just as soon as he if if Cal has word that he's back, and obviously we're not gonna know because we're not in the Joe Craft Center and we're not we don't know them. Um we just gotta start building now. And I think Antonio Ryu should be the first guy that we get. So obviously what you were talking about, um, David Sisk announced on HOB. I mean, you could read more than on there. It's behind a paywall, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but it, it's pretty much leaked out all over Twitter at this point. Um, he feels really comfortable about Oscar, Oscar Sheboy coming back. Andrew Slater publicly said on Twitter, probably the most plugged in man in college basketball, absolutely never misses. He's like the new Evan Daniels. I remember Evan Daniels never missed a few years back. Um, Slater is so freaking plugged in. He announced that he expects expects 
Oscar, Oscar Sheway to be back in Lexington for another season. He did say there, I think he said he's going to be, there's going to be some like singing and dancing or something, meaning that he's going to go through the NBA draft process. There's going to be, um, it, it, it's going to seem a little bit more complicated than it really is, but ultimately he's going to end up in Lexington. That's what I feel like the staff feels like. So like you said, let's start building this roster around Oscar. Like it needs to be built around Oscar because he's going to be the greatest returning college basketball player of this century. I mean, especially in the one and done era, a national player of the year. I can't remember if one has ever returned. It most certainly hasn't happened since Cal got to Kentucky in the one and done era. So to have a player of that magnitude back is absolutely huge. And anyone that disagrees with NIL, this is why. You get guys like him who can make decisions that are best for them and come back for another year and not have to worry about money and be able to support their families and still do what's best for their career. But that's a, just a side note anyways. But um, Antonio Reeves, he'd be a perfect fit for Oscar. I mean, we saw how effective Oscar is when he's alone in the paint. Um, he wasn't a really great passer in the beginning of the year out of the post, but I think he improved a lot. And he also improved as a post scorer. So you get a guy you can throw the ball into the post to and draw double and triple teams and pass out to open shooters, or you just have four knockdown shooters that you can't leave. And then Oscar's one-on-one in the paint and he, he's going to make those shots 65, 70% of the time. So Antonio Reeves, he would be a perfect fit. Um, if a guy like Shaden leaves, again, I'd probably like to see one more score, one more wing. Um, the guy that's kind of been rumored a lot, especially from Kyle Tucker, I've seen him point out is Joni Broom a lot, which really confuses me because it seems like all the hype is coming around Oscar coming back. So why would we be looking to add another center when Oscar Sheba, he was kind of playing 30 to 35 minutes a year last year. Um, everyone that was saying, oh, what about foul trouble? Never really came in to like, it never really happened. Oscar really didn't get into foul trouble. And we're kind of expecting Damian Collins and Lance Ware to come back. That kind of creates a log jam at center. And that's why... I'm really confused by that move. I mean, he's really talented. I'd love to have him here, but I'm just kind of more worried about fit. How do you feel about him? If if he's all right with, like, playing behind Oscar or at times splitting the court with Oscar um, with, like, two big man looks, then, like, bring him over here, like, immediately. He's one of the best rim protectors in the country. And um, as long as he knows, like, a like, Oscar's coming back, but this this would be your role. This is what we could put you at, and he's all right with it, then I see no problem. I would love to have him. I think he's really good, and he's one of the best players in the portal, obviously. Any compliments? I think what Oscar does really well, because he's an elite rim protector, that's kind of like Oscar's one weakness, you know? Like he's a really – he dove into a really great low post presence. He got a pretty good mid-range jump shot. Um, I, I think his jump shot's just going to improve, especially if he wants to make it to the NBA level. It's just going to keep getting better. He's a really good defender in terms of playing passing lanes. I mean, he had over a steal and a half. Um, he even had over a block and a half, but I still wouldn't view him as like an elite rim protector, a guy that could really defend in the pick and roll. That's where Broom immediately impacts. And again, I would love to have him. Personally, I would rather just have Damian Collins be the backup center. Um, I would rather develop him because Oscar, I don't think he's going to stay for a third year, even though he has that COVID year of eligibility. He's obviously gone. I would rather have Damian Collins ready to go the following year because the class of 2023, that draft class is extremely weak. So again, we get at the portal again, but I'd, I'd rather see a junior Damian Collins fully ready to go 
the following year at center. And again, you have Lance Ware, who might not have the highest potential, but he's you could throw him out there as a really safe option. So, you know, if in the 10 minutes a game that Oscar doesn't play, if Damian Collins is still seeing some of those weight room um, struggles or just some of those, like, just, I don't even know what to call them, just, like, not fully adapted to being ready to play this level of high basketball struggles, those type of things. You have a safe option like Lansford behind him. So I, it's, yeah, I don't really see the fit with Broom. Um, again, unless he's supposed to be a two to three year guy, like, and he has three years of eligibility left. So I, I'm interested there. One guy that I want to take a pass on, I'm not really sure how you pronounce his name. I think it's Omir, Omir, something like that. Um, Arkansas State transfer. He, he's the size of a four. He's six, seven, um, but doesn't space the floor at all. He really only plays inside the paint. Um, so you can play him at center, but again, we kind of already have a log gym at center. He's kind of undersized as a six, seven center. I know he has really good stats. I think he has decent film. I just don't see where the fit is at Kentucky. So I'm personally going to take a pass on him. I wouldn't mind him here. Cause he's a, like, he's a really good defender as well. And last year we, lacked rim protection from Ware and Oscar and I think that he could provide that I mean the stats be in the Sun Belt isn't some like blowover conference either like it's pretty it's a decent conference um and he's had two years of just straight like dominant stats both on the defensive and offensive end I wouldn't mind him in a Kentucky uniform I just don't want him in to to be a big role you know because like if he's our starting four next to Oscar that offense is going to be Kaka poo poo. Like, I don't, I don't want that. But if he wants to be a backup for, I'm all for it. But I know we've been pre- like, here's the thing we don't know more than John Calipari. We don't know more than anyone on that staff. If there's a reason why they're pushing them, pushing for him super hard, we should probably trust it. I know we could worry about things at times. And shit, before the year, like this year started, we were like, well, you know, Oscar's only 6'9, so can he play? He's a little bit undersized. He's not the most athletic. Can he play the five at uh, SEC level? And he was perfectly fine. So I'm not going to slam the door on Norchad. I think he's he's pretty damn good. So if he wants to come here, I would love it. But I also understand why people would be a little hesitant on him. Yeah, so while we have got really good news about Oscar Shibway, it's seeming more and more like Shaden Sharp is trending to go the NBA route. I know there were some talks that maybe he might be falling in the draft. Um, Again, people just, all the reports are going towards Shaden Sharp is very likely to stay in the NBA or go to the NBA draft. It's kind of weird. He hasn't even entered his name yet, not even to test the waters, which Kel said he would do. So, I mean, there might be something there. Um, But if that is the case, we do need someone that can score from the perimeter. I think Chris Livingston's a really good player. I think he has a decent knockdown jumper. He's obviously a great slasher, great finisher at the rim. I think he'd be a great stretch four or even a solid three if you put him next to a stretch four. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be a go-to bucket getter for a national championship or a final four team. Jason Wallace, again, great all-around player. I think he does a lot of good things well. I think he's developing as a playmaker at the point guard position. Can also obviously play outside the ball. He's got a decent mid-range shot. Um, a really good mid-range shot, actually. He's a really good finisher on the hoop, and he's an improving three-point jump shot as well. But again, I'm not sure if he's your go-to bucket getter. Um, and I'm not, I don't really think we're going to find a wing that's going to be a really, really good just bucket getter. Terrence Shannon, I think, is 
a really good player, really good 3 and D. I'd love to have him on the team, but he wouldn't be your go-to bucket getter either. I mean, he's more of a, a 3 and D type of guy, um, maybe a secondary or third or even a fourth option offensively. I think he, if you have him as your third or fourth option, that's really, really good. But I don't know if I'd want him as my one. So for that reason, I love Sabir Wheeler. He was definitely not the problem on last year's team. He was probably the second, maybe third best player on last year's team, um, depending on healthy Ty Ty was. I, I just, I think we need more scoring from the point guard position. You talked about Nigel Pack. I think he'd be a great addition. Um, whether he plays the point guard and Cason Wallace is the two or Cason Wallace is the one and Nigel Pack plays the two, I personally really don't care. Um, but a little bit more, then Nigel Pack, um, I like a guy that just put his name into the portal. That is Kendrick Davis of SMU. Have you gotten a chance to watch any of his film or seen any of him or have any immediate reactions to him joining the portal? Yeah, uh, my immediate reaction is to get him to Kentucky. Um, he's really, he's like a bona fide scorer. And I think he would fill that sharp role. Like I think Wheeler, I mean, the thing, the crazy thing with Wheeler is that he averaged like 10 points a game. I think he just needs more scoring around him. Um, like, imagine Wheeler with Kendrick Davis next to him and, like, a Cason Wallace next to, you know, next to him. Or, you know, it's Wheeler, Davis, Reeves. Like, those Davis and Reeves are better college players than Ty Ty and Grady were at Kentucky. I'm not afraid. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. I know people will be like, oh, well, Ty Ty – some people just like, yes, they're college players, but like some guys are just built for college and aren't really necessarily built for the NBA. Like Oscar, Oscar's, Oscar is a college player. Uh, he'll have a good career in the NBA, but he'll never be as dominant as he was in, in college. So I think, I think Davis would help Wheeler out so much because he could also obviously handle the ball. Um, and I think that'd be perfect. Yeah, for me personally, kind of the same thing that I said with Nigel Pack. Kendrick Davis is about six foot flat, maybe 5'11". Same thing with Pack. They're kind of borderline, maybe six foot, maybe six feet in basketball shoes. Putting them next to a smaller Jordan Wheeler, it, it just concerns me. Again, I know you don't need to, especially on the college level. I just think size is really important. I think having positionless basketball is really important. Having guys like Cason Wallace that are six foot three and good guard, one through four, or Chris Livingston, who's six foot seven and could guard one through four. Um, positional versatility really matters, I think, in, in terms of um, modern basketball, NBA, or college. Positionless basketball is really important. Um, but with that being said, personally, I would rather just have Kendrick Davis as our point guard, Case and Wallace at the two, and then like a Terrence Shannon, Antonio Reeves, got another guard with good size, six, five, six, 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 seven, out on the wing. You have a do-it-all point guard that could play both sides of the ball with lots of energy in Cason Wallace. You have an elite shot-making guard in Kendrick Davis, or, yeah, Kendrick Davis, and you have an elite three-point shooter in Antonio Reeves. I think that's a great lineup. That's really similar to what we had last year, except, you know, instead of Saber Wheeler being a playmaking, like a pass-first guard, you have a shot-making guard in Kendrick Davis. So that, that's my ideal one through three. I'd, I'd go Davis at the one. I would go um, Kaysen at the two. I'd go like Reeves or Shannon at the three. 
um, Chris Livington as a stretch four and put that with Oscar at the five. I mean, I think that's a perfect ideal roster built around Oscar Shibway, a chance to get Oscar to the final four that he so very deserves if he decides to come back to Lexington, which it's seeming like he will. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed with Davis starting at the one. I just if he is like be prepared for a lot. Like the offense that we saw this year where the ball was moving and Severo's making those good passes that got a lot of guys open. Like we we just want because Kendrick Davis is not that great of a playmaker. He only averages um like around four assists per game. He is a pretty good defender too, based off defensive rating. Um he had 1.8 defensive win shares last year, which is pretty high. I think, like I said, I think my lineup, both of our lineups could work really well, and I wouldn't be opposed to either. I just would have a hard time getting rid of Severe. And that's all. I really love Severe, but I, I, would, I would struggle with seeing Severe not on a Kentucky roster. Yeah, for sure. So you would, you would go like Wheeler and then Packer, Davis, if you ever reach out the pack, and then like Case and Moore at the three. I would probably – I'd take Davis over Pack because he's a better defender. Um, I'm not worried because I think – I think height in terms of guards, it's all scam. Like, down low you want height, but, like, guards – guard height to me has always been – it's how well can you move your feet. Yeah, I don't need you to be lengthy as shit. Like, yes, it helps, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm a, I'm a Raptors fan, right? So, we – we have like 10 guys on our roster that are between six, seven and six, nine, like, which is insane. And we, and we run that, but no team in college is ever going to run that. You know what I mean? Like, so positionless, it, it, it is a great thing to have, but I think you already are getting positionless when you have guys like Kaysen at the three, even when you have three dominant or like guys that can all handle the ball pretty well. And you got Chris Livingston who can move up to a guard spot. And like the only position you really have out there is Oscar. So I don't really worry too much with guard height, but I see what you mean. Yeah, the one guy that I brought up a couple times um, is Terrence Shannon. I know you're not as high in him as me. I see a really good 3 and D player. Um, he, he was, in my opinion, watching film, seeing him guard Oach and Christian Braun. He was a great defender over Texas Tech. Obviously, they have a great team defense, so maybe that helped out a little bit. Um, I see a guy that was getting into a lot of mock drafts, potentially like a border round, first round pick before he got injured and Texas Tech developed a better offensive option than him. Um, and he kind of fell, became the second or third offensive option. But he was a guy that was maybe going to get drafted. Um, there, there was, it looked early that he was going to be an Illinois lean. And then it even looked like Michigan was getting that running. But apparently like with Big Ten and schools like that, um, like Illinois and Michigan, there is a rule with transfer credits. And apparently he's having some issues that that's a very common thing on Illinois and Michigan, like message boards, people, insiders um, are really worried that he might not be able to get into like a big 10 school like that. So I would love to see him come to Kentucky. Um, again, whether, whether we, it's Wheeler or it's a transfer point guard, like Kendrick Davis, Kaysen Wallace at the two, I would love Shannon at the three or even at the stretch four and put Chris Livingston at the three. You could put them interchangeably. That's kind of that position with basketball I'm talking about. I mean, you would have three guys in Shannon, Wallace, and Livingston. All can be elite defenders and all can guard positions one through four. Um, so that means you could switch everything and without missing a beat. So I, I would really like to see those four work together. But again, if you have those four guys, again, you don't, I don't know if you really have a go-to bucket getter. That's why I'd rather see Kendrick Davis as our point guard and have Oscar Shabley in the um, 
post, that's an ideal lineup for me. So, I mean, we talked about our offseason plan. My updated one, I want Kendrick Davis at the point, Cason Wallace at the two, Terrence Shannon at the three, um, Chris Livingston at the four, Oscar at the five. I'd like to see Reeves want to come off the bench. I don't understand if you would want a starting role. So maybe you put him and I don't know if Shannon would come off the bench. Hopefully we can make something of that work. If not, then another transfer guard to go along with CJ. Um, and then have Toppin and Damian Collins come off the bench with Lance Ware, of course. That would be my ideal roster. I think that's a final four team. I think that has shooting, positional versatility, um, low post scores, guys that can get to hoops, guys that could score from long range defense. I think that team has it all. So um, kind of going through our roster, what would be like your updated ideal offseason plan? Um, it sounds like we're kind of similar for the most part, but would you have a couple tweaks in there? Yeah, my my ideal roster, like my starting lineup for me would be Severe Wheeler. I think he's going to put a lot of stop, like improvement on his three-point shot. Um, and even if he doesn't, that's fine because he shot like 31% from three this year, and that's not as bad as you guys make it sound like. Um, not to talk down on like people, but like 31% is not terrible. It's not great. It's not terrible, though. When we were on um, when we were on beers and buckets, I don't remember if it was while we were recording or after we were done recording. Dowell said that if he made two more threes this year, he would have shot thirty five percent, and he'd be an above average shooter. Yeah, and just he, two more fouls. That's all it would take. Yeah, none of y'all would be saying shit. So that's like he's his mechanics look good. Like he's not a terrible shooter. Like the the thing that people that you know annoys people with wheelers at sometimes. He turned the ball over a lot, but that's because the two guards around him were pooping themselves and he had to do work. And you don't really want Severe Wheeler to be like, all right, it's Severe Wheeler time. And I'm going to like, try. like, you just don't want that. You want him to pass the ball and you need other people around him to make it work just like you do any type of other point guard. But anyways, I'd go Severe Wheeler at the one, Kendrick Davis at the two. Um, either Casey Wallace or Antonio Reeves at the three. Um, you know, just three guard lineup, how we've seen 1920 team, you know, three guys that can handle the ball, uh, Livingston at the four and Oscar at the five, obviously. And then my bench, I would have another score, either it be like a Shannon or a Miller. I really like Adam Miller coming off the bench. We didn't even talk about Adam Miller. I'd love if he Yeah, he, he, he could start. I would like, because, I mean, he is coming off an ACL injury, and that's not like a kiss of death anymore like it used to be. But I would like to see him come off the bench, and maybe in a month into the year he's pooping, and you could you could put him in the starting lineup. I like him. Um, I like one other, like C.J. Frederick. I forgot that we I forgot that he even existed to be honest. Like CJ Frederick off the bench. CJ Frederick would start at like 95% of schools in the country. Like CJ Frederick is a really good player. I mean, he started at started Iowa. at started at Iowa, who was like what a top 10 team in the country that year. Yeah. Like CJ Frederick's really good. Um, and then I would have Toppin at the four and Collins at the five. And that would be my lineup. And if Lance Ware wants to stick around, by all means. But I think that team has, uh, you know, I think Miller's a good shooter. Frederick's obviously a really good shooter. Kendrick Davis is a good shooter. Reeves is a good shooter. Um, Livingston's a good stretch for, I believe. I mean, from the film and the stats he put up in high school. So you have, you got your, your dresser shooting there. You got versatility with how you can run lineups and stuff. You have the national fucking player of the year, 
just saying. Um, you have the man who led all power six schools and assists. And you got, you got, I mean, you got everything. You got Damian Collins developing. That's a really good lineup right there. Yep, completely agree. That's a final four level lineup. Um, I mean, we, we talk about every, everyone's saying Cal, Cal needs to change. Cal needs to do this. We need four shooters. We need a four true out. We need four guards. We, we need to, like, I don't really think we need to change that much. People don't realize we had a top three Ken Palm offense before Ty Ty got hurt. What we can't have is a pass first point guard and all of our other guards that were our court spacers forget how to shoot a ball and defend. Yeah. That's when it becomes a problem. If Cason Wallace doesn't get hurt next year, let's knock on wood. Let's hope he doesn't. We're going to be fine with a guy like Sauber at point guard or, or a guy like Kendrick Davis. Um, we don't need to change a whole lot, especially if we're returning Oscar. The blueprint was there last year, except this year we need to stay healthy. So really the one thing I would change, I mean, in my lineup, I listed off nine to 10 guys. Um, I, I want to see eight to nine guys play. Yeah. I like to see the rotation expanded a little bit. I know Cal likes to cut it to six or seven, sometimes eight, um, usually seven, but I'd rather just play a couple more guys keep the legs fresh, make sure we're going into March fresh, and then maybe cut it down to seven or eight. Um, but have guys that can step off the bench, be ready, balance that rotation, keep guys fresh. If someone gets hurt, it's not like we're throwing someone out there for the first time. Um, and hopefully no one gets hurt if we balance out that rotation. That's like really the one thing I would change. I don't really think we need to change that much. I think you'd probably agree with that. Yeah, the thing that pisses me off most, like reading tweets since we lost to St. Peter's, is Cal needs to, you know, update his philosophy. John Calipari brought back Davion Mintz, who's a 38% three-point shooter. Kellen Grady, who shot 42% from three this year. CJ Frederick, who led the country in three-point shooting, or was like top three. He shoots a 47 career uh, three-point percentage. Um, Dante Allen, who shot 40% last year. Uh, three and then Ty Ty who was like a 41% three-point shooter in high school one tore his hamstring before the Duke game or did something to his hamstring where he couldn't play the rest of the year one literally just forgot how to shoot the ball but you know that's Calipari's fault somehow um, and he didn't play him enough apparently um, Davion kind of went hot and cold Callan Grady went off so that was good and um, Ty Ty got injured and then shot like doo-doo the rest of the year. Like, he addressed what we wanted coming into last year. We wanted more shooting. He admitted that that 19-20 team had zero shooting besides, like, Davion. I, I think, like, maybe Devin Askew was their second-best shooter. Olivier Saar. Like, that's a problem. But Cal addressed these. All right, bet. Five shooters. Five snipers right there. Eight. And it worked. Until it didn't because people got hurt. Like, uh, you know, so I, I I know a lot of people saw the Aaron Torres tweet where he was like, if teams in the NBA played as much effort as Houston and Villanova did, scores would be in the 80s, which is the most boomer, conservative, dumbass take in the world. Like, it's the genuinely most lazy take because if you put NBA defenses into college games, their scores would be in the 50s. Anyways. J.J. Reddick, who has a great podcast, highly suggest y'all uh, listen to it. It's amazing, and he's a really smart guy. He's, he's like – the reason why college games are so low scoring is because they're running the same fucking sets they did in, like, the early 2000s and in the 90s. They don't adapt. No, Bill Self 
archaic system. Cal Perry, archaic system. Like, think of any coach you want. Jim Beheim's been running a 2-3 zone for 40 years. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. Like, college coaches just do not adapt. They think they do, but they don't. Um, and it's not just Cal. I don't want to say yeah. Cal's stubborn. Cal won't adapt. The national champion hasn't changed his offense since Cal met him in 2012 in the national championship. No. He's, he ran the same offense that team. They run two bigs, and it, college basketball does not – it doesn't adapt. And, and that's the thing that y'all got to understand. You could put the players – in the system, which Cal did, you put the right players in the system. I mean, outside factors, injuries and shit, it fucked us over. Y'all got to stop with this dumbass, oh, well, Cal runs an archaic system. He needs an offensive coordinator. Dude, they were top five in Ken Palm. He's not a bad offensive coach. He never really has been. He's always been known for his defense, but he's never been a bad offensive coach. That narrative is so stupid. It is so stupid. People say, oh, well, you know, look at Gonzaga's offense. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, Gonzaga's fraudulent. Gonzaga, like, y'all, like, I don't want to, you know, shit on people, but it's like, where, where's the happy meet? It's just straight contradiction all the time. Cal is going to run, he's going to update his offense, which he has since last year. And we're going to be fine. It's just, can the players perform the way that they're supposed to? That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that all there. It, it sucks that we lost to St. Peter's. Again, we're not excusing it. It shouldn't have happened, but it happened. I mean, the stats are there. We win that game 49 out of 50 times. We had a couple yeah. bad plays on the stretch. We shot one of six. It's not Cal's fault that we couldn't shoot free throws. It's not Cal's fault that COVID existed the one year. He had his best free throw shooting team ever, but it is what it is. But anyways, um, I think we went over everything I wanted today. We got six or seven potential transfer options out for you. We got all of our roster updates out of the way um we talked about shade and of course oscar shiway looking like we'll be back in lexington but really quickly before we get out of here a word from our good friends over at blue chips big blue nation now is your chance to own a piece of kentucky basketball history kentucky basketball is partnered with blue chips to be the official and exclusive home for kentucky basketball nfts all season long blue chips will be dropping unique digital collectibles of your favorite players and the most legendary coach in college basketball collect player cards Snag limited edition collectibles of big moments. Get access to exclusive events and win prizes. Join the Blue Chips Discord, the online community for diehard BBN fans that talk hoops and get closer than ever to the cats. Don't miss out. Visit ukbluechips.io now and get your piece of Kentucky basketball history. Um, that's all I got for us today, Scott. Anything else? And if not, where can we find you and your work? Uh, you can find me at uh, Scott Clark UK on Twitter. You can find my work at kycolonel.com and uh yeah I, i'm all good i've gotten everything on my system but um it's exciting times the transfer portal i know people are like we haven't gotten good news in a while i think things are starting to rear towards our way we can smile we can laugh we can enjoy life as as big blue nation we can be happy so yeah it's, it's been it's been a while since i've talked to you so it was a good episode and uh yeah yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on and spending all this time. I think we got like an hour long episode right now. I don't have a clock going, mm-hmm. but we got some good ass content for y'all. I appreciate all of you for listening. You can find me at MattSackBBN on Twitter. You can find my work at CatsCoverage.com. Once again, thank you guys all so much for listening. And as always, go Cats. Go Cats. Just need to clear my mind.